A voice like a horny angel. This is uh, Excelsior, please. Cinema Excelsior. <laughs> fine, fine, that's fine. Cinema Excelsior. <laughs> there you go. It's like Graham Chapman pretending to be American. Excelsior. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> I like it. My, my favorite Graham Chapman pretending to be American is during the uh, German episode where he is playing an American tourist in Germany speaking German. <laughs> Wunderbar. <laughs> Wunderbar. <laughs> anyway, this is Cinema Excelsior, uh, where we talk about... God damn it. What do we talk about uh, again? I'm Zwei sure. peanuts were walking down the strasse. <laughs> <laughs> One of them was... <laughs> assaulted. <laughs> Peanut. <laughs> Alright, this is... Uh, this is a podcast. Uh, it is a podcast. I can confirm that. You can confirm. This is empirically true. Yep. I'm hey, why don't we why don't we date the podcast? Why don't we say what the date Cause, is? Because Derek and I are getting Derek. married. <laughs> I have a girlfriend. I don't know how you and Hillary label it, but you know, I think we're all you know attached in some way or another. Why don't we label the podcast with uh, the the common chronology? Dude, uh, labels t- disable. No, no. Uh, we we can label this podcast. Uh, this podcast takes place twenty years later. <laughs> This podcast is on International Women's Day. <laughs> that's that's what today is. It's International Women's huh. Day. It's true. Oh, okay. okay. What more do okay, you need to know? <laughs> Why is today International Women's Day? Because that's when International Women's Workers Day was established, and then it sort of lost its progressive communist work at workers of the world unite kind of thing and now it's international women's day i don't know why is any day any day well george washington uh martin luther king day is because that's martin luther king's birthday and washington he was always day. born on a monday <laughs> touche i mean he that's may have been so special he may have been born on a monday he only needed to be yeah, born he, on a monday one time to always be born on a monday yeah he's like solomon grundy no <laughs> That would mean he always would. Never mind. I don't feel like parsing. Let's this. get this train back on the track. Nope, we're never it getting on March the track. You're, you're trying to make this a podcast that has a topic. It doesn't. This is Cinema Excelsior, and our topic is uh, we are making our way through the Marvel movie canon. Uh, your roundtable for this evening. Uh, guys, I think you're really going to like this one. Uh, starting on the digital left. Uh, Mr. Daniel Watson-Jones. Hello. Uh, Dooge today will be playing the part of Laura Lee Hope, the author of the Bobsy Twin series. What? what? That, that, that <laughs> has his... even less to do with our movie. Bear with me. Than... To his okay. digital right, right, we have Mr. Derek Long. In the words of the Ghost Rider DVD menu, let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> 
Derek will be playing the part of Nick Carter, author of the Killmaster series. <laughs> yes. What? To his digital right is Nick Bester. Didn't know what Derek said. Just say less. It's truly a great DVD menu. <laughs> nope, nope. Ditto what Derek said. <laughs> Nick Bester is playing the part of Carolyn Keene, author of the Nancy Drew mysteries. Okay, I was hoping for Lois Duncan, but all right, I'll take nope. it. <laughs> and I'm Stephen Claypool, and I'm playing the part of uh, Franklin W. Dixon, author of the Hardy Boys series. Okay, now, so these, these are all. Ha- are what these, these all... people have in common? They are house pseudonyms for series written by ghostwriters. Because tonight we watched Ghost Rider, the 2010 Roman Polanski film starring Hugh McGregor wait. and Pierce. Oh, wait a minute. No, I watched the wait wrong a minute. Guys, I, I watched Ghost Rider, the old PBS television show. Yeah, yeah. I watched, that ghost. I, I watched Top Gun because there's like one of the call signs is Ghost Rider, I think. I thought that's what you guys meant. I watched Ghostbusters. I watched The Phantom Menace because it also starred Ewan McGregor. <laughs> also, Phantom is kind of, it's a ghost. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not kind of a ghost, it's it another is word a ghost. For ghost. Yes. And Menace is another word for rider. <laughs> yes. Was, <laughs> yeah, it's, is, Palpatine, is Palpatine the Phantom Menace? Who's the titular Menace? Darth Sidious is the yes. Phantom Menace. Well, yes, who would be it Palpatine? Palpatine. It All is right. Darth yeah. Sidious. All right. It is the rising darkness of the Force. All right. Yeah, it's not like fucking, like, R2 is not the Phantom Menace. I don't know. He knows a whole or lot of it, shit. He knows a whole lot of shit and doesn't say anything. What is it? Why is he keeping this all to himself? He and Chewbacca know so much about what's going on in uh, the first trilogy and say shit all about it. So today's film is Ghost Rider, the 2007 uh, opus directed by Mark Stephen Johnson. Our favorite Nicholas. Yeah, starring Nicolas Cage, Ava Mendez, Wes Bentley, Peter Fonda, Sam Elliott, and especially starring Donald Logue as Matt. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Mac, actually, it's Mac. I thought it was Matt. Mac. No, I'm pretty sure no, it's Mac. Mac. No, Ma- Matt is not nearly sort of, you know, working class homesy enough for, uh, uh, for this. Donald it's got to be Mac. Okay, we'll call, we'll call him Mac then. It's definitely named Mac. That's his name. Yeah. <laughs> then, then that's what we'll call him. Good. Uh, as I said, the film was uh, directed by Mark Stephen Johnson, who is also credited in the credits for screen story and screenplay. Uh, okay. Mark Stephen Johnson, of course, having previously directed Daredevil and the director's cut of Daredevil. Did you see what else he wrote, though? Uh, Grumpy Old Men. And, and Grumpy. Grumpier Old Men. <laughs> yes. And Simon Birch yeah, and Jack right. Frost. Also, the Michael Keaton Jack Frost, also not the horror par- film Jack Frost. Yes. Also, apparently, his most recent movie is called either Hunting Season or Killing Season, and it's about Killing John Travolta season. as a Kosovo assassin who has come to kill Robert De Niro, who lives out in the woods. Huh. Yeah, that's a, docu- a movie. It's a docu- documentary, then. Yes. That's yes. a bold move for him. John Travolta's been deep also covered. directed When in Rome, starring Kristen Bell. Yes, so the, yes, the, only other, uh, the only other person on the crew side, we may find people on the cast side worth mentioning, but the only other person on the crew side worth mentioning is the improbably named executive producer, E. Bennett Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Who was also an EP on Kill Bill and later The Amazing Spider-Man 2. 
Okay. The well, we'll probably named E. Bennett Walsh, not E. Emmett Walsh. No. Isn't it M. Emmett Walsh? M. Emmett Walsh. Yeah, Edward Emmett Walsh. Medward. Mm. Medward. <laughs> Medward. Medward. Uh, okay, so quick backstory. Uh, Ghost Rider, not invented by Stan... <laughs> invented. Not created by Stan Lee. Uh, created by Gary Friedrich, Roy Thomas, and Mike Plug. The <laughs> improbably named Mike Plug. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're I don't know, Mike's a pretty common first name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Plug, that's a stupid name? Uh, there have been... Uh, we're going to get so many letters. Yeah, all the Plugs. <laughs> uh, there have been... There are dozens uh, of us. Dozens! There have been four primary ghost riders uh, in history. There was uh, a Western comic character, uh, Carter Slade who later became the Phantom Rider, who was not created in the same vein, but kind of tied in later. Then there was the Johnny Blaze version. Johnny Blaze. And then there, was another, then there was another one called Danny Ketch, who uh, was basically the same thing, but rode a high-tech motorcycle. <laughs> and then the current one is, uh, is Robbie Reyes, who is basically the same thing, except he's Latino instead of a, uh, an Evil Knievel knockoff. So doesn't he doesn't he drive a low rider though? Am I wrong about that? <laughs> oh, it's by Cheech Marin. No, no, I've heard it's really good. <laughs> Everyone says that the new Ghost Rider is actually the best one. Wait, is, is he? Does he actually drive a low rider? I think that he. Someone told me that he does. I don't know whether it's true or not. God. So somebody, possibly Dooge, possibly the person telling Dooge this, or the person who wrote this comic, is racist. <laughs> somebody. somebody. Well, no, I mean, you know, he. he uh, <laughs> you know, they they ride low riders. <laughs> Those they, people. Someone is, is uh, chosen, and they just drive whatever they drove before. Sam Elliott rode a horse. He drove that horse. Uh, Spoilers, you know, we haven't it's, it's gotten there yet. It's not racist to say that someone who is Latino might drive a lowrider. Yep. Just digging uh, yourself it, does deeper. It, does anyone want to take a stab at summarizing this film? Uh, it's a movie that thinks that Evil Knievel is still a relevant... Uh, Ripoff that people are super into uh, people jumping over things. That, that's my summary of it. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, so it opens um, uh, with young versions of the characters, uh, and then there's like Ghost Rider babies. No, it doesn't. It, 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 no, it doesn't. The extended cuts, we get, we get the entire the history of the Ghost Rider before we get that. We get a helpful <laughs> monologue. Um. Okay, yeah, it opens with Sam Elliott narration and some good music. Uh, and then there's like 20 minutes without Nicolas Cage, yeah. and then the movie really starts. Yeah. Uh, That's accurate, yes. I'm, I'm not actually trying to summarize this film. I, I could oh, right. run you through scene by scene, but I was just... Uh, all right, Sam Elliott yeah. tells right, so us... We, we've, had, we've had two failed attempts. Derek, right. do you want to try? <laughs> sure. Uh, so we've, we've got uh, the Welcome devil. back, Derek. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> To begin, the um, devil. How's your dad, Derek? We've, we've, to begin, the devil, um, played <laughs> by Peter Fonda, uh, who I can only assume was cast not because of his iconic role in Easy Rider, but because of his resemblance to a human skull. Um, <laughs> I figured it was anyway, a one time in the because his father was in Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He, he's, uh, he is both the son of and the poor man's Henry Fonda. <laughs> um, anyway... 
so uh, the devil. Um, the devil. He has a, a, a bounty hunter, the ghost rider. Um, and uh, long, long ago, uh, this is a legend, but as we know, some legends turn out to be true. Uh, he, he sends uh, the Ghost Rider out to uh, retrieve the contract of San Venganza um, for control of, like, a whole bunch of souls. Um, and, but the Ghost Rider recognized that this would, this would give the devil too much power, so he refused to give him the contract. Um, flash forward into the future... Uh, where we meet... Uh, oh, in, in, into, like, still our past. Yes. Our, well, yes, our, our past. It's like 1970-something. When, yeah. when an evil Knievel knockoff would have actually been a viable draw. Exactly. Uh, where we meet um, our young hero, Johnny Blaze, um, who uh, is in a, motor, in, in a stunt cycling team with uh, his father. Um, Barton Blaze. Martin Blaze. Barton. Barton. Barton Fink. Barton Blaze. Yes. Bart- Barton Blaze. Um, How many more times can we say Barton? Barton? Barton. 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 Anyway, Bort? Barton has a bit of a, a smoking problem, which I'm sure we'll get into. And as it turns out, um, he has uh, lung cancer. So this is one thing that uh, our hero Johnny has to deal with. The other is uh, his uh, girlfriend, Roxanne. Does uh, not who... have to turn on the red light. No. Does not have to turn on. That's right. Um, but anyway, uh, Roxanne's father uh, doesn't think that she's good enough for Johnny, and so they're moving. And this is the only motivation, apparently, for them moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Johnny's... Also, also I'm not gonna... clear who her father is. Yeah. What her yeah, role exactly. in this circus is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that, that it's probably that he doesn't think that Johnny is good enough for her. As opposed to not thinking that she is good enough for Johnny. Because that seems Sorry. like a fucked I, up way I reversed to... that. I, I, I misspoke. The other way around, yes. Yes. She's definitely um, good enough for him. The point is, Johnny's life is full of problems. Um, he, uh, and uh, Johnny discovers that you know, his, his dad is dying of, con- of cancer. Um, and so he makes a deal. A Faustian bargain with, uh, with the devil, with Me- Me- uh, Mephistopheles. Yes, I'm um, going to say, it's not the devil, it's Mephistopheles. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mef- uh, Mephistopheles. Or, as um, he's normally called who? in the Marvel Universe, Mephisto. Because Mephistopheles, it's like his friends call him Mephisto. Yeah, exactly. Meph. So anyway, the deal is Johnny will um, essentially become uh, Mephisto's uh, bounty hunter, the, the next uh, ghost rider at, at some point in the future. It is not revealed exactly when, in exchange for his father's life. Um, so he thinks everything's okay, but as it turns out, uh, Mephisto causes his father to die anyway in a tragic biking accident. Um, this was, uh, like hours later, where, like hours later, uh, this was at the point where Johnny was basically had decided to run away from, uh, his life with, uh, uh riding the, the show circuit with his father, um, and, uh, run off with, uh, Roxanne. So everything goes to shit. Uh, 20 years later, we flash forward. Uh, Blaze is now, like, a famous rider. He is the evil Knievel of 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, uh, he travels around with his troop, um, and, uh, but, but he's, he's always got, you know, kind of a, kind of a chip on his shoulder, you know, thinking about his dad, uh, that kind of, that kind of deal. Um, and, uh, let's see, he, he meets up with, uh, well, no, Roxanne is now a reporter, and she he didn't go with Roxanne. No, Did he didn't. He didn't go with Roxanne. That's right. He that drove off. The, 
He drove on. Because he runs into the devil at the crossroads. Exactly. In a, in a uh, scene with some nice cinematography, by the way. Um, and some bad any- blue screen, by the, by the way. <laughs> also, we're like 20 minutes into the film. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we're 24 anyway, minutes into the, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's the implication that they might get back together because Roxanne's now a reporter and she tries to interview him before uh, this big jump that he's gonna that he's gonna do um but he's just so like stunned by her um because now she is eva mendez um that he doesn't really deliver a good interview anyway uh so there's there's the potential that that's that's gonna happen um meanwhile the 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 actual plot is set in motion um we have uh the uh the son of mephistopheles blackheart um who has come to earth along with Three demons. I think the implication is that they are all, they're fallen angels. But Blackheart is not a fallen angel. He has not fallen like his father. Uh, that's never quite explained no. in any kind of satisfactory way. All we need to know: Blackheart and his three uh, henchmen, sub bosses. Yes. Um, so anyway, now they uh, their goal is to find the the lost contract of San Venganza, uh, which. I believe it's pronounced MacGuffin. MacGuffin, yes. It's, exactly. it's, pronounced, it's pronounced Bengazera. It's an extremely long way of saying MacGuffin. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Mephisto's not happy about this, uh, that, that his son and his cronies are uh, going after the contract. So he decides to call in the contract with Johnny Blaze and makes him the new Ghost Rider and basically offers him his soul in return for uh, preventing Blackheart from getting the contract. Uh, so anyway, there's a, there's like a battle, um, between Ghost Rider and the three fallen angels, uh, or the, the three henchmen, um, and, uh, he's, you know, pretty surprised that he's turning into the Ghost Rider, it's his first, like, transformation, um, and he wakes up, uh, in a graveyard, and he meets, uh, Sam Elliott, who I believe his character's name is the Caretaker, I don't know if he's ever explicitly yes, called Yes, it that. is the Caretaker. Um... But the caretaker somehow, some way, seems to know what's going on. You know, I wonder the how. History of everything. Who knows? Who knows? Well, it never explained. Um, well, he's already been established as the magic narrator. So yeah, he, you know, the narrator knows, he knows everything by magic. Yeah. But anyway, he explains that the deal is that um, he can only turn into the Ghost Rider at night, um, and you know, basically, he's he's at the the beck and call of uh, Mephistopheles. Um, let's see. Am I missing anything so far? Uh, uh, you, you, you haven't the mentioned cops. Donald Logue, but there's Donald Logue. That's right. Donald um, Logue. Well, you've actually gotten to the part where Donald Logue is no longer in the movie. He disappears. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. He disappears anyway, for Logue, an hour, and it's my fault. We'll get to that later. Donald Logue <laughs> plays Mac, who is who is like Johnny's crew chief. His Marjo um, Gortner, if you will. His Marjo Gortner. Well, is he his Marjo Gortner or is no, he his he's his Gene, Gene Kelly. Kelly. He's his Gene I Kelly. I feel like right. he's his Gene, Gene Kelly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, Mac is concerned about the increasing danger of the various stunts that Johnny is attempting, uh, realizing perhaps accurately it's... that um, he is trying to outdo his father. And in fact, we discover that this is indeed the case as uh, Johnny performs a stunt... Uh, where he jumps over several helicopters, which uh, was the original idea of uh, his father. We're helpfully reminded of this. Yeah. Yes. 
through one of many, many flashback yes, scenes. Yes, yes, yes. It was less a scene and more like a few frames of film. Yes. Yeah, but there are many of them. The thing yes. that's very strange um, about his dad's plan of jumping over the helicopters is what we see of the Blaze family's thing. It's very rinky-dink. Uh, it's like a tiny little tent and like a three-foot-tall yeah. ramp jumping over it. So there's no way in hell any of this, like his idea of building up helicopters, he's way too, uh, yes. way too uh, sort of eyes bigger than his stomach. Yes. So anyway, we've had the first showdown between the Ghost Rider and and the three henchmen. This actually also this occurs on the same night where um, Johnny had planned a date uh, with Roxanne, um, and it turns out he he doesn't show up, and so there's tension now between their ostensibly burgeoning relationship. Um, uh, let's see what uh, what happens next. Um, at a By certain the way, the, Derek's yes. summary is way more sophisticated than most of the storytelling mechanics. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say incredibly so detailed. Most well, of what he's saying is uh, direct recounting and some interpretation. All we've been getting so far is like direct events and then people talking about those events. And then yeah. flashbacks <laughs> to events from like three minutes before as though like, yeah. oh, that woman that who is Ava Mendez is also the woman from before. Thank you, flashback. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like what, what happens next is the film kind of loses the plot for a little while. Yeah. It's, it's actually hard for me to remember what happens. Right. I mean, like, at, cer- at I a certain point, Blackheart... And, and he goes and, and, and uh, sees all the, the damage that he left behind. Oh no! We're, we've, oh we've right, there's the there's the cops to, uh, subplot. So the cops are also after are now yeah. after um, Johnny because they suspect that he <laughs> is behind all of the uh, murders that Blackheart and his henchmen have been committing. I don't around. I town. don't think you've described the murders though yet. They kill an entire bar full of Hell's Angels. Yes, uh, they kill a guy in a train yard, and they do it uh, by like freezing their innards. I guess with sulfur. I guess with uh, was it with sulfur? I didn't get that. Uh, I, I thought that he was sucking their souls out, but I guess he didn't have their no. souls. Yeah. No, he's just sulfur until... touching them. He touches them, yeah. they, they get like weirdly like desiccated, and they die, and for yes. reasons that are never yeah, particularly never well really explained, the cops are absolutely convinced that Johnny is the one doing this. Well, they even found like there's... his burned up wallet or something, right? No, they found... No, it's, yeah. it's his... The license plate goes comes off of his bike oh, when yeah. after he was turned it's into like, the rider, like and it, out it of falls time. into the melted uh, asphalt. Um, right. And the pyrotechnics uh, in his show, uh, you know, require a lot of fire, and all these people were burned. So you know, yes. there's there's some connection. I guess it's um, also important to mention that the way that the Ghost Rider um, enacts vengeance upon the various henchmen is that he uh, forces them to uh, see the the like souls uh, that they have tortured and like experience their pain. And it's it's a sort of you look into my eyes and see the see all of the pain you have caused. The penance. Yes. Uh, the, the penance. Yes. It's the, the karmic is, uh, is that the repercussions of their sins. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, the, from this point forward, the film develops really pretty, pretty conventionally. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eva Mendez gets kidnapped by Blackheart. There's a cop there's, hunt. There's a cop hunt. The, the, Donald Lowe is horribly injured. There's a, Donald Law. yeah. We, we'll we'll talk about Donald what happens to Donald Lowe. Um, Shut anyway, up, dude. That didn't happen. A... He's fine. <laughs> Mac's fine. Um, we don't know. Sorry, there... Mac is murdered, no. not Donald Logue. Uh, no. the, uh, the caretaker reveals that he is, and it's a huge, incredibly surprising reveal, let me tell you, that he is, in fact, 
Carter Slade, the earlier Ghost Rider who uh, stole the contract of uh, Sam Van Gunn. It's the MacGuffin. It's very the surprising. MacGuffin. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they ride off together into the distance, but then he... Uh, um, hold on, hold but, on. You cannot, you cannot just, just gloss over the fire horse, okay? That, well, you know, I thought we were going to talk about that when we talked about yeah, the... Yeah, okay, so, right, yeah, well, if, we're doing, if we're just doing a summary. All right, yeah, go no, ahead, no. go ahead. I'm Sorry. trying to get this done in a reasonably short ride, amount of time. They ride off to way too late for that. They ride off, um, but for some reason, Carter Slade can't join in the fight. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk about that to leave the confrontation. Anyway, there's a fight. Uh, Blackheart, uh, basically, Ghost Rider delivers the the contract with a thousand souls um, to Blackheart, and he like absorbs all of the thousand uh, souls, which you may um, recognize as the climax of Blade. That's right, exactly. Also there's starring the, Donald Logue. Donald Logue. Yep. Um, and then he, he tries to kill uh, Blaze, uh, but Roxanne uh, shoots him with a shotgun. Um, and uh, at this point, because, because, and this is an important point, Blackheart before was impervious to Ghost Rider's um, penance stare because he didn't have a soul. Uh, but now that he has absorbed the thousand souls of the contract, he can now uh, be... Uh, affected by the penance stare, and so he burns with the corrupt pain of the souls uh, that he has <laughs> absorbed. Um, yes. I like, I like your hula dance to illustrate that. <laughs> if, if only uh, this were uh, visually possible. Yeah. We should record uh, this. Yes, we should. So anyway, the, the film is effectively over at that point, but in, in the, um, the last few minutes, uh, Peter Fonda, Meph- Mephistopheles returns and... Uh, Offers Blaze his soul, uh, but Blaze is like, no, I'm going to live with this curse and, you know, use it to, uh, that, that, you know, says he's not afraid and that he's going to use it to, to take him down and to, to you know, be fight a for spirit good and justice. Vengeance. To be spirit a spirit of, of vengeance. Spirit of vengeance. Which is um, also kind of what the contract was, because that thing is Saint Vengeance, is what San Vagonza means. true. Also, the Spirit of Vengeance is the name of Ghost Rider 2. That's the yes. subtitle of the second film. Yes. So it that was my not-at-all-prepared summary. Uh, it was... I, th- I think mat- you, got, you got the... It was meticulously detailed. We kind of glossed over all of like the sub-boss fights, but fuck those, because they're stupid. Yes. And the, the, uh, most of the relationship stuff. But also, very paint-by-numbers. You know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I... I yeah, I, I think this film was, was actually better than I was expecting it to be. I mean, yes. I think its biggest crime is that it's just very generic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of its sort of original qualities come through in, like, the transformation into Ghost Rider. Um, you know, I think I think the performances by, by Nicolas Cage and, and Eva Mendes actually elevate the film, which I was not, oh, yeah. which I was not expecting at and all. And Sam Elliott. Um, yeah. And Sam, like, they have a surprisingly compelling relationship at points. Um, not, not throughout the entire film, but at points. No. Um, Wait, which it, two characters are you talking about? Our it, main, Nick, Johnny and about, Roxanne. Okay, yeah. because I, I do, I think that their relationship is touching, but I also think that she does not exist in this film. Uh, <laughs> we, we learn literally nothing yeah. about her character at any point, except that 
Uh, she dates Johnny Blaze and then becomes a reporter. <laughs> that's that's true. Um, but I think her, I think Eva Mendez's performance, like she does the best that like this yes. character allows for. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. And like in terms of like women in Marvel films, like this is about par for the course. I'd say. I mean, there's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's sad but true. Right. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think I think that was. Um, you know, there are points where that really delivers. Um, you know, Sam Elliott, he's one of those actors who you, you can't not like anytime he appears in a film. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter. I, let me, let me, let me do that, that just a bit. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed the film at parts. My expectations for the film were quite low, and the film surpassed them somewhat. But it was still incredibly generic, and I found my, I found my mind wandering at points. Which Douche. is not a good sign. Were your expectations low? Uh, am I the only one of us who had seen this before? Uh, I, I think so. so. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Okay, because yep. I saw this in the theater uh, in Middlebury, actually, sophomore <laughs> year. Uh, uh, and I bought it on DVD right after it came out. <laughs> and I have seen it probably, this is probably like half a dozen times. Uh, right. I don't think that it is a good film. I think that there are a lot of good and great things about it. I like it a lot, but I never, I think, I, I never can like it quite as much as I want to, mostly because I feel like it doesn't have enough quotable lines. Uh, that there aren't, like, there, there's plenty of Nicolas Cage being over the top and awesome, but there's not a lot of, like, really good one-liners. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. But you've still watched it half a dozen times. Oh, yes. I mean, I still like it. And I think that uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance is actually a really fun, great, enjoyable film. Uh, great in that it is enjoyable and really fun, not in that it is you know, great, great. I think it's really fun and enjoyable in the sense that it's enjoyable and really fun. <laughs> but not great. Uh, Bester, although it has what? an even better cast than this film, which has a great cast. Fester, what do you think of this? Once again, I'm just going to say, ditto to everything Derek said. Uh, no, I had I had pretty much the exact same uh, expectations that were going in. I had uh, set my expectations very low, which uh, over the course of watching the movies for this, is, that's clearly the best way to do for most of these movies because pretty much every time I go in with a movie going like, oh, this is going to be the worst fucking movie, uh, it's then like, oh, this is, you know, uh, pleasantly okay. Uh, and pleasantly okay, I think, is about my assessment of this movie. And, uh, yeah, again, to sort of echo Derek's point, it's extremely generic. It's very sort of paint-by-numbers, you know. Uh, there's this, you know, very sort of rote, uh, romance going on, and, like, she doesn't believe his explanation, and she has to leave, and then there's a showdown with the cops, and she sees it and believes him, and so- then... To be fair, it's an extremely implausible explanation. <laughs> I was going to say, I know, it's really cliche when someone explains to someone that they have sold their soul to the devil. Now, I'm just and I would like to, does not I would like to say that I was kind of hoping, like, yes, no, obviously there's absolutely no earthly reason for her to believe it, but I would have had so much respect for this movie if she had, mm-hmm. if she had just gone, oh, okay, all right, yeah. Like, I think that would have been a yeah, much... I, I, because there's just this, like, oh, okay, we're at this story beat where she doesn't believe him, and then five minutes later she will believe him. Uh, where Yeah, it really bothers me that she says, uh, you know, I have two choices here. Like, there are two possibilities. Uh, either you really believe this and I need to leave, 
or you've gone crazy and I need to have you committed. It seems like any reasonable person would include the third choice. No, maybe. Dude. No, no one <laughs> would include the, okay, so you sold your soul to the devil and now you're his bounty hunter. It's totally reasonable to leave that one out. And then it's exactly how he, just, how he explains it. He doesn't kind of build up to it. He's just like, I'm the devil's bounty hunter. That's just, soul my soul. Well, soul to soul. Yeah, uh, and that's why I couldn't make it to dinner last night. Yeah. Because I was working uh, for the devil. So, you know, I, and it's got a I lot. I will say that. Go ahead, Derek. Uh, that, that delivery by Nicolas Cage during that piece is amazing. Yes. Okay. So, so that that's kind of kind of what, what I want to bring it around to. I, I, I this was not is... done. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry. I was yeah. not done. I have more to go ahead then. Jeez. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure I was all that impressed by uh, Ava Mendez's. I mean, she doesn't do a bad job, but I mean, I think there are a lot of people uh, in this movie that I really 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 like. So obviously Nick Cage, I'll watch just about anything with Nick Cage. Sam Elliott, I think we agreed with the possible exception of Hulk, always entertaining. And we will talk much more about Donald Logue, uh throughout this film. Uh, so there's I, I'm, a, there's I'm, enough I'm, people that I, I really say really we... like. Yep. What? But but let's let's. Table the Donald Logue conversation now. We will give him his own section yes. of the podcast. Let's. That section brought to you by Blue E6. Thank you. <laughs> there, there's, right. um... Are, are, do you have yeah, more no, first thoughts? Yeah, okay. no. <laughs> I was going to say... The, I'm done now. I, I, agree, I agree with everything everyone has said, except the sort of praise of Ava Mendez, because I thought she was really awful in this. But... I will say that the uh, this is a film with a very, very generic script and very, very generic direction that demonstrates, as perfectly as any film ever could, the power of good casting. I'm not sure anyone in this film gives a good performance, but I am confident that everyone gives an incredibly interesting and enjoyable performance. Um, yes. it, it's... I don't know what was going on in terms of the direction on set, but it seemed like every take it was, okay, now, bigger and have fun. Uh, we, we've barely called him out. Uh, Wes Bentley is about as, like, eye-popping and over-the-top as a villain could possibly be in a film like this. Yes. Um, At the and, same time, though, he's really... Like boring. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. yeah. He's not. In, he's he's not an interesting character. <laughs> no. But he, you, you could tell that he was like, okay, well, there's there's nothing on the page, so I guess it's all me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will say, from what I've read, this movie came at like the nadir of his very bad uh, battle with drug addiction. So he essentially mm. took this uh, for the money. Mm. Okay. I read that on IMDb as well, Mister Bester. Yes. Uh, but on the uh, director's commentary, he said that. Uh, he he asked one of the producers about getting Wes Bentley, and he said, you'll never get him. He says no to everything, because uh, this is after American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was able to pin him down and sit him down to lunch and actually show the script with him, and, and they had a really good time, and he liked the script. So he did choose this movie after saying no to a lot of others. So it's possible that he had just run out of drugs <laughs> like, that day. I don't know. Oh. Or maybe he really does like Ghost Rider as much as Nicolas Cage and Mark Steven yes. Johnson. Yeah. It should be pointed out, also read on IMDb, this is really my source for all information on these movies <laughs> that we're talking about. Trade secrets. All information trade secrets, ever. Uh, that Nick Cage has a, uh, 
a Ghost Rider tattoo that had to be covered up for this. And it was covered up by CGI abs. Oh, God, those abs. Um... Wait, so he, he has a Ghost Rider uh, on the, tattoo on, the commentary, on his... He said those were not CGI abs, that, the, that he really did work out that much just to have a scene where he could make faces in the mirror. Now, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that... That might be what he claims. Those abs, real or fake, the way that you described it was that the abs covered up the tattoo. So he has a giant Ghost Rider tattoo on his belly? I don't know where his... Where... No, it's on his shoulder. Oh, okay. It is on his shoulder. They had to put makeup over yeah. it. I, I like the uh, the Peter Fonda casting. He he is the second most flamboyant film devil I have ever seen, after Tom <laughs> Waits in the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. Um, uh, I assume you're not including the the robot devil from Futurama. Oh, that, that's television. It's not film. Okay, but all right, fair enough. There were some um, movies. They made some movies. Yeah, I know. I was going to mention uh, that. But fair I enough. Just fair let enough. It go. I don't know. Did the, the robot, robot seven maybe? Did the robot devil appear in those movies? <laughs> Probably just because everybody appears in those stupid movies. I mean, mm-hmm. Stefan, maybe the uh, maybe the casting point is a good opportunity to move into Nicolas Cage. Oh himself. yeah, we, we, we got to Nicolas Cage because like that's that that was really my only expectation for this film is that Nicolas Cage would give a performance that I could say something about oh. that would be commentable. <laughs> Were, were right. you disappointed? Um, I was a little bit disappointed, I'll be honest. Like, Really? Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, Vampire's Kiss or, like, some of the it's other, amazing. like, in, some of the yes. other, like, incredibly insane Nicolas Cage performances. Oh, I've seen, I've seen the craziest, I think. This is, this is quirky Nicolas Cage at best. Yeah, this is fairly low-key. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a role where he's taking it seriously. He's actually trying to ground this character in reality, which yeah. is why and, he's uh, drinking Jelly Bellies, and which and it makes sense. Yes. Like if he's if he's a fan of the character, like yeah. I think it makes sense that he would actually treat the material a different way than he might treat some of his other characters or uh-huh. his or his other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Nick, Nicolas Cage is an extremely talented actor. Like he's he's like really good at what he does. Um, yeah. And here it's it's almost like there's this tension between like respect, like personal respect for the material, mm-hmm. um, and like his persona, which like at this point, like it had that kind of reputation for being over the mm-hmm. top and yeah. like, it was the main reason that I saw yeah. this film in theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, his his reputation. Well also it, I just I love the character. Yeah. You know, it's a guy with a flaming head riding so a motorcycle. Dude, dude, so. may, may, before we drill further on Cage, to understand the psychology of Cage and why he would do this, why do you love this character? Because uh, he, he looks like something that a, an eighth grader would draw in his algebra notebook. I don't know if you're aware of this, but eighth graders only draw... The most awesome things in their algebra notebooks: dragons, super awesome cars, boobs. Uh, it, you know, it, it's you haven't you haven't gotten to the point where you understand subtlety yet when you're still obsessed with characters like this. Okay. And I try never to outgrow anything. Uh, I like to embrace the things that I liked in, in my childhood, so you know you can harken back to a simpler time mm-hmm. and. Uh, a a guy riding a motorcycle that is on fire, uh, who is also on fire and who can who can immediately 
uh, show people the karmic repercussions of all of the terrible things that they've done in their life uh, is awesome, just inherently. You can't argue that. Uh, Seven really but, wants to argue that, uh, but he's not going to. No, no. <laughs> one, one, one other reason is uh, my first exposure to Ghost Rider on the Fantastic Four cartoon as a childhood when as a Galactus childhood? attacks the Earth and no one can, no one can do anything and Ghost Rider rides through, I don't remember where the confrontation is, it might be in space, but he goes up to him and shoots like a flame, maybe just points at him, I can't remember, and says, you will feel the pain of a thousand dying souls. And then Galactus, like, you know, goes crazy. Uh, and it's, that's badass, all right? That is badass. All right. Fair okay. enough. Duly that noted. is why I like the character. Duly noted. All right. I had a foil uh, marble card of him. It was all shiny. Awesome. Ghost Rider. He was very shiny. I, uh... <laughs> let's see, what, what do I have? I think that's the extent I, I of my have, experience with this character. Yeah, I have no experience with Ghost Rider. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I'd, I'd never read a Ghost Rider comic or anything. I just thought that, you know, he was cool. <laughs> He's a flaming skull on a motorcycle, man! <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he looks like... He, the character design looks like a temporary tattoo that comes out of the machine in the front of the grocery <laughs> store. That is all I want. In 1996, okay? Yeah. I want a grocery store temporary tattoo from 1996. Maybe there's an eight ball on it <laughs> or a yin-yang. All right, that's fair. So, so, uh, so Cage t- loves this character, and he, he plays him in quirky mode, which means mm-hmm. drinking jelly bellies, which means mm-hmm. uh, sort of oddly speaking in the spaces between that normal people would speak. Um, he's upset he's with the coffee the straight from the straight, pot. Yep. Loves the carpenters like any yes. crazy person. Uh, yeah. He loves monkeys. Loves, loves monkeys and apes. He loves television. Loves television. Specifically. Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to... Yeah, I mean, if, if you notice, I'm pretty sure that he's only drinking cinnamon jelly beans, oh. jelly bellies. Um, uh, on the commentary, the director said that he was specifically trying to do stuff that someone would do if they knew they had sold their soul, but... They wanted to never tempt the devil, like, you know, never cross any kind of uh, anger or um, sin line. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's doing all these childlike things and listening to music like the Carpenters. Hmm. But uh, I'm certain that Nicolas Cage specifically requested getting only hot jelly beans so that uh, he, he, would, he would have, like, the, the spiciness as part of the... Part of the method. The character. Well, there yeah. were also yellow ones in there. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think those are the there's. Those better not be popcorn because those are there disgusting. There are multiple kinds of spicy jelly bellies, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that you, there are cinnamon and uh, one of the other. I went ones. to the Jelly Belly factory like a month ago in California, yeah. and had a uh, Tabasco flavored jelly bellies, and those fuckers burn. All right, All right. I believe it. Uh, <laughs> I do want to go back to this idea of sort of Nick Cage's performance, and you know, it's not as cagey as it could be, and I think, uh, I think one of the problems there comes down to uh, the Ghost Rider effect. Like, the way that they have chosen to represent him in Ghost Rider 4. Because, you know, obviously he's still doing the voice, but he's doing the voice, like, modulated through, like, a bunch of animal noises and played backwards. And it's obviously still him doing the motion capture because no one else in the world could have that kind of body language. But, like, (laughs) it's not very good CGI, I don't feel. And I just... I think there was a way to do it, like, slightly more practically. Like, if they had put, like, a, like, like the Red Skull makeup from um, Captain America, the, the, the recent one. 
uh, if they'd like done that kind of effect. Not like, the they original put, one. No, not the original one. But like then CGI'd some flames in there, so you still had like Nick Cage's like actual facial expressions and his uh, mm -hmm. his performance there. I think that would have helped a lot because it just ends up being this not very good looking CGI flaming skull yelling things that I'm vaguely aware oh. is Nick Cage, but not necessarily. I'm kind of taking on faith that this is still Nick Cage. That's funny, because I felt like the, the special effects were actually done pretty well, that given the technology at the time, uh, it really seemed like Dude, they were, let, let's consider uh, the technology at the time. This was five years after Gollum. Yeah, but this does not have the budget of Lord of the Rings. No, it does not. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying uh, it's dreadful, but I just felt like, I felt like particularly like the Flaming Skull itself, yeah. I was not very impressed by that effect. Mm. And again, it I just... I will completely agree that the movie suffers from Nicolas Cage not getting to actually physically perform the the biggest set pieces in the film. Because yeah. uh, anytime it's Ghost Rider. Mm. Although apparently it was a 3D mapping of his real skull, so... <laughs> so we're kind of <laughs> getting it, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I, obviously, you look at that skull and you know it's Nick Cage because we're all experts <laughs> on phrenology and we can all just do it by sight. Well, even putting aside the Ghost Rider effect, um, you know, and, you know, this was obviously, like, the central, like, piece of the film's marketing, right? I mean, uh -huh. in, like, every single trailer for the film, you saw that shot where he, like, you know, is, it's, like, from above and you see the chains and it, like, whips yeah. toward the camera. Uh -huh. Um, even putting all of that aside, um, I think one thing that the film also suffered from was, like, not enough of Nicolas Cage just on a bike. Um, like, just riding, like, as Johnny Blaze um, in a situation that wasn't, like, clearly green-screened or uh -huh. stunt double. Um, you know, you really... Because I kept, like, I, I remember, like, when I was watching it, um, I kept thinking this consciously. I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's not there. That's in front of a green screen. That's yeah. a stunt double. Like, just give me, like, one shot. <laughs> one <laughs> shot of Nicolas Cage actually riding a bike. Like, that's all I want. Are you claiming that Nick Cage himself did not jump an entire football field <laughs> uh, with helicopters? Some, uh, helicopters? Even, no, here's the thing. Like, even I don't standard, believe you, sir. I don't believe even you. Even standard shots of just him, like, riding next to the van... Like, that's all on a process trailer. Um, yeah. You know, like, even even just, like, a single shot of Nicolas Cage, like, riding away on a bike. Like, having a conversation with, like, the caretaker or something and riding away on his bike. You don't get any of those. Like, he doesn't ride the bike physically all that much in the <laughs> I mean, maybe he doesn't know how to ride a bike, or maybe, maybe my, it's maybe my Maybe my expectations were too high, but it's like one, you'd think, usually you have like, at least in movies like this, you have like one sort of like hero shot of your actual star yeah. doing a stunt or riding or, you know, doing whatever. And I don't think we got any of those in this film. I could be wrong, but I certainly didn't notice any. <laughs> yeah. We do get a great shot of him uh, screaming and crawling across a graveyard towards a grave. Uh, <laughs> And and emoting and acting a lot. Uh, yep. So and the the first transformation when the writer comes out, uh, that was pretty. That was a lot of acting. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I think that's there's some a great pointing. Like you, you think about <laughs> a film like uh, An American Werewolf in London, where the the transformation is really the centerpiece of the film, and you get this amazing practical effect of, of how it's done. 
And in this film, it's the transformation is a CGI effect, so it's not as technically impressive. But goddamn, if Nicolas Cage did not act the hell out of that transformation. <laughs> I really believe that his skin was falling off and his skull was on fire. So mm-hmm. much screaming. There's a lot of screaming. Oh, uh, we completely... Uh... Uh, skipped over Rebel Wilson, didn't Oh, we? yeah, Rebel Wilson was in That's film. right, Rebel Wilson like, is in this film. Before she was Rebel Wilson, yeah. Yeah, yeah one of the high points. Well, uh, she may have still which, been Rebel Wilson. I don't she, she, she wasn't the Rebel Wilson. I mean, there's not a lot of comedy in this film like that's not coming I from... I disagree, this ironic, film was hilarious. Hold on, that's not coming from an ironic appreciation of Nicolas Cage's acting ability. <laughs> I, like, I feel like Donald well, Logue is kind of there as comic relief. He's, you know, the... Yeah, he, he has that line Nick, about, uh, I got a hunting dog named Lucky, and he's got one eye and no, uh, no nuts. We're not mm-hmm. in the designated Donald Logue section of the podcast. No, no. <laughs> Please the, keep it under control. The, the blue um, e-cig the, presents the Donald Logue. <laughs> uh, but the, and there's, there's certainly comedy in the, the interview uh, when yeah. she, Eva Mendez tries to interview Johnny Blaze. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, that was one of my favorite scenes, uh, I think, because... He's charmingly uh, befuddled. Like, they, they establish that he never gives interviews, so I get the impression that he literally has no idea how, how this is supposed to go. So he is entirely lost in the fact that he hasn't seen this woman in mm-hmm. 20 years or whatever. Uh, and it's not that he's being an asshole in the interview, which it seemed like it might be the first time. It's that he's really just asking her these questions and doesn't really understand why the camera's there. Now... We've a couple times now here and in Derek's uh, summary, we've talked about twenty years later. Is that actually established in the movie how long the period is? I'm just curious. That was my guess. Okay, yeah, it's about just because years. If, the, if that's the case, if that's the case, then all the stuff with like the the Blaze Carnival Act is in 1987, which is even then well after Evil Knievel knockoffs being relevant. Well, here, here's where the 20 years later thing becomes troublesome, though. So when young Johnny and young Roxy are having their their Saturday night thing at the carnival when they're kids, like they're, they're clearly both like 16, 17, 18 years old. Yep. But when they flash forward, however long they flash forward, Nick Cage is at least 15 years older than Ava Mendez. He's, and, led, he's led a hard life. I guess, yeah, but... He sold his soul to the <laughs> devil, Stefan! <laughs> Out of age! Yeah. Um, Think of the, how the, many jelly beans this man eats in a day. That's <laughs> gotta do some shit to you. But the, the, the age gap was... It was very noticeable. It was never addressed, but I found it oddly charming. Again, just because of the, the very odd energy that Nick Cage is putting out throughout the entire film. It it worked for me in some odd way. Oh, fair enough. I feel like this is just you know Hollywood realism though, yeah. right? Where you know your, she's your always going to be male. Yeah. Your male hero can be <laughs> fucking forty years older, but than she's the yeah. lead, and no one will comment on it. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's uh, Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. <laughs> yeah, uh, Derek, you, you mentioned during the scene where. Uh, 
Mephistopheles is explaining to Nick Cage that he's, or explaining to young Nick Cage that he's sold his soul. Which, by the way, I love the fact that young Nick Cage does not so much agree to a deal with the devil as accidentally <laughs> cuts his finger, and the devil says, yeah. oh, that's good, that's good, good job. Um, that's all the devil you mentioned, needs. You mentioned the cinematography. Uh, I, did, oh, I, t- I took I, a look at who the cinematographer was. Uh, it's a guy named Russell Boyd who won an Oscar for Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. All right. For Best Cinematography. Ghost Rider was his next film. All right. If we go back and look at other, uh, other entries in his catalog, he was the cinematographer on uh, Tender Mercies. He was the cinematographer. Uh, it's the movie Robert Duvall won his Oscar for. He was a cinematographer on Crocodile Dundee and Crocodile Dundee, too. (laughs) He was a cinematographer on White Men Can't Jump. A very good movie. Um, A little shot. Yep. Um, Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy. (laughs) Had a sporadic career. Uh, Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I think, like, particularly the shots of... um, like the open desert, mm-hmm. you know, even, even though like they're all like digital process shots, like they look pretty good. Yep. Um, you know, I, you, you, you got a sense for the, uh, the openness of the space, the big ride into the showdown yeah. shot. Yeah. To showdown town. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we should mention at some point, uh, so I'm just going to bring it up now. Do it now. Uh, yeah. Why not? Rebel, <laughs> Rebel Wilson, uh, reminded me of this. Uh, the fact that this film was shot in Australia, uh, oh yeah, it yeah. Was this shot is in Melbourne, Melbourne. Um, which is why you know, like the 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 main police captain guy, he he has a bit of an Australian accent at at points, mm-hmm. and that, um, that's uh, why apparently in the go ahead. the opening establishing shots from the the youth, uh, they had to regularly make sure that there were no kangaroos <laughs> in the background. <laughs> well, that, and that uh, the graveyard. That is, you know, one of the major mm-hmm. sets in the film is actually right in the center of Melbourne. Uh, it's right in the city. Ooh, okay. That's fantastic. So that was on location. Yeah. And the director, Mark Stephen Johnson, spent a night in the graveyard, hoping to see a ghost. Huh. Well, all right. Good, if, good if, so he he saw the same number of ghosts that we saw in this film, which is zero. <laughs> zero. Yes. Uh, although one of the security guards from the film, uh, who had to guard stuff a ghost? in the graveyard. Quit because he saw he claims to have seen a ghost or he thought he saw a ghost. I'm much for the idea that he he himself was a ghost. <laughs> yeah, now, they hired a ghost. Yeah, they found out he wasn't union, so they had to well, fire him. Here's my theory: <laughs> the ghosts are the. I mean, we have this flaming we have this flaming uh, horse that could be a, a ghost of a horse, and maybe uh, Grace, the motorcycle, is being possessed by some kind of ghost. They are the ghost, ghost of a motorcycle. They are ghost riders. They might be riding ghosts, not riders that okay, are ghosts. Fair, fair enough. Well, I got the impression that the the spirit, like the rider, is a separate entity than. Johnny Blaze, the character, that the writer is is uh, essentially what occupies the the vessel uh, that uh, is Johnny Blaze. Or that Blaze. their souls are fused. Yes. yes. Uh, so the writer himself is a ghost because he comes from hell to act as the devil's bounty hunter 
uh, by occupying the body of someone with whom the devil has made a contract. It's too much logic. Yes. It's too much logic. <laughs> we're, getting to the, we're getting to the same problem with Derek's very, very meticulous description of everything that ever fucking happened in this movie. Too, yeah, too much logic in this movie. Uh, now, th- this coming from the man who is complaining about when evil Knievel knockoffs were historically conceived. No, I, I, I think that's I very important. I think that's incredibly important because this because... character only makes sense at a time when evil Knievel knockoffs made sense. Well, Nick, you, you think you you tweeted about this a bit. The uh, who who are the kind of people that this evil Knievel knockoff would appeal to in this time and place? Uh, according to this movie, the absolute scum of the earth. <laughs> the there are all of these shots of the crowds at uh, at his events and at BlazeCon. Uh, yeah, they're always the most disgusting, grotesque images of like trailer <laughs> trash <laughs> Americans. And like he gets um, into he gets locked up I'm... in prison, and like every but all of these awful people who are all judged guilty. Uh, by the uh, by, the writer. All of them know who he is, and they're like, "I once saw you once, and you didn't crash." But at the same time, there are like impressionable kids at his shows, right? I mean, yeah, he turns to that terrible. kid and like points to him, and it's like the most awesome thing ever. Yeah, I take pretty serious offense at the the fact that all of these people are the scum of the earth. The the crowd at this event at these events looks just like everyone in my hometown. Yeah. Like, I. I uh, I mean, these look like real human beings to me who have actually just gone to the county fair to, to see, you know, a, a, you know, a stunt I'm show. I'm with Dooge on this. This uh, is middle Australia. Or, I mean, middle America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the vast majority of the population of this country, okay. I would say. I felt, I felt like it wasn't a uh, flattering depiction of it was the vast majority of the country. It was very charactered. And they're all like, there's just a lot of like screaming and like, Disgusting drinking of beer, and I just I, disgusting drinking. There's, there are people having fun in public, and I do not approve. I don't. It's disgusting. They should be ashamed of themselves. These people are they should, they should follow. Tops. They should follow the example of Johnny Blaze, who just drinks martini glasses full of jelly beans. He is the one percent. But he doesn't give interviews, so they don't know what he's actually yeah. like. Yes. See, see, Nick, your problem is you're anchored in your, your ivory towerism, and you're like, why are they watching people jump on motorcycles? They should be reading Proust. How, how do you get offended at the, the contemporary depiction of Ghost Rider as, as uh, a, a Latino who drives a, a lowrider, and then you call all of the white people in this film the scum of the earth? Well, Nick, here's, here's another problem with, with your reading. Uh, all right. The, the, the whole, like, subplot with the cops. Yes. They make a big deal, like, Mac especially makes a big deal about how Johnny can't get arrested because then all of his fans would know that he was arrested <laughs> yeah. and it would ruin that his was, career. So how does that square with them being, like, drunken reprobates? If anything, it would help his career. Yeah, so celebrities generally are harmed horribly by their arrests. <laughs> this is why Robert Downey Jr. remains a pariah. <laughs> I will say, Derek, that that was one of the most unrealistic parts of the film yeah. was Mac <laughs> insisting that his, his public reputation was at stake if he got Although arrested. Although that does that does kind of call back to the evil Knievelness of it all. If we go back to Viva Knievel, what would have happened if <laughs> Evil Knievel would have been arrested? It would have. It I've would never have seen Viva Knievel. I don't actually know anything about it. You've not seen Viva Knievel? We watched it no, pretty regularly no, sophomore not. year. I am, yes, I know you guys. 
you guys did, but I have never seen it. Well, I'm shocked that you weren't involved in any of those screenings of Viva Knievel. Yeah. I was always shocked at the time that you were so excited about this movie called Viva Knievel that I had never heard of. What is it? He's a motorcycle king. What, how's the song go, Nick? Uh, with a helmet for a crown. With a helmet for uh, a crown. Like a motorcycle. Wait, wait, let's see. Um, something like a bird. He's never coming he's down. He's soaring like a bird down. and he's never coming down. He's coming down. Yeah. Viva, Viva, uh. Viva Knievel. Beats. Fever, fever, That's a perfect film. Yeah. It's really great. It's with Gene Kelly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I I do still maintain a low point in Gene Kelly's yeah, career. That Gene Kelly in that film is the saddest thing I've ever seen captured on film. It's like you know every shot he was standing there thinking like I made singing in the rain. Now I'm in. Viva but then he shows up in Xanadu like guess, three years yeah, later. Xanadu would be the Nader. No, no, he's great in Xanadu. He's like, he's like he's the spirit of the film in Xanadu. Uh, he's like the, the polar opposite of his character in Viva Knievel. Where he's a Xanadu. drunken reprobate who like, hates his kid? Yeah, no, in, in Xanadu he's like a, a fucking millionaire who just decides to open this nightclub, Xanadu, and, and helps a struggling graphic designer on his way. We have to watch Xanadu. Yeah, I've never seen Xanadu. I, I need to I'm see pretty, Xanadu. Apparently. Is that based on a Marvel Marvel property? Is this uh, is this a bachelor party like thing you need, Derek? Possibly <laughs> the Xanadu screening, the traditional premiere. I thought Xanadu. you were talking about the Tom Hanks movie Bachelor Party. <laughs> yeah, where they watch Xanadu. <laughs> that's what we can watch at your. That's what we should do for your uh, bachelor party. Watch Bachelor Party. <laughs> We can watch Bachelor Party on one screen and then picture in picture watch Xanadu. I like it. Anyway, yeah. Original soundtrack by Olivia John and Yellow. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Um, uh, Nick, was that a news radio reference? Because for Johnny Johnson's Bachelor Party, Matthew rents the movie Bachelor Party. Yeah. Uh, I will say yes. I will take credit for that being a reference. But no. Okay. Um, so we, we've, uh, I, I guess we've rambled for an hour and 15 minutes now. Uh, does anyone have any objections before we move to uh, the Donalogue? The Donalogue? Sorry. The Donalogue, uh, where I, we talk about Donalogue. I just have uh, uh, one or two uh, main points. Uh, okay. well, not main points, minor points. Um, first of all, uh, a line in this film is, Mac, you touch the Carpenters or that chimp video again, and we got a scrap on our hands. Yep. <laughs> That's the best line in the film. Uh, I, I would say it's the second best. It's, it's maybe the best pure line in the film, but out of context, it is not the best line in the film. The best line in the film in context is, wait, you think I'm pretty right? Waiter, indifferent shrug. Walks away. <laughs> also, uh, during that scene, she apparently brought a magic eight ball with her to this yeah, date because yes. she pulls out she a pulls magic ball her from her purse and like shakes it. We don't see what it gets her, but she just puts it away. This is what she's doing uh, on that, her that where she's jilted point, on her date. Uh, that is one hundred percent more characterization than I thought existed in this script yeah, for her. Character. Exactly. <laughs> we learned that important detail. It is. The yeah. only other important detail other than she was in love with him when he was, you know, 16 and uh, now is a reporter. I, I would like to say that the best line, though, is when Rebel Wilson is describing what happened or what she saw. She, she gives the description of all of the events 
And then she starts describing him. And so she's been speaking. Her sentences have made sense thus far. And then she says, his face, oh, and his face was a skull, and it was on fire. Yes. Uh, Denotatively true. Yeah. Uh, what, what was your second point, Derek? Uh, my second point was um, the, the movie takes um, some pains, not a lot of pains, but some pains to uh, ensure that Ghost Rider does not harm the innocent uh, in any way. Yes. Uh, and yet when he and uh, the caretaker ride off uh, to the final <laughs> confrontation... They just incinerate a poor lizard who just shit like, out of that lizard. Be, it's, it just bursts into flames, and I was like, "That was really uncalled for." Uh, Derek, there's there's one very obvious explanation for this. <laughs> that lizard was a sin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an evil lizard. He, he, I, he looked. He happened to glance over, catch catch like the corner of Johnny Blaze's eyes and the penance stare just incinerated this <laughs> sinful, sinful lizard. See, I oh. thought it was a callback to uh, Raising Arizona when the lone biker of the apocalypse, <laughs> who is the id of Nicolas Cage in that film, shoots a lizard off a rock while riding through the desert. Okay, fair enough. I will accept that interpretation and yeah. not question it further. Yeah, and H. I. McDonough as Ghost Rider. <laughs> All right, Nick. Uh, let's take let's take two seconds. I I really need to go to the bathroom, and you can gather your thoughts for the Donalogue, Okay. Okay. Uh, the Donalogue. The Donalogue. <laughs> the uh, While while Stefan is away, I will say that this that this section, the Donalogue, is brought to you by Blue E Six. Had Barton Blaze smoked Blue E Six, he would not have died. <laughs> Blue E Six uh, on the side the- of the angels. The lung cancer didn't get him. He had a heart attack that the devil gave him. Uh, didn't he crash? Or was it, it injuries from... I thought he crashed. Thought, no, I think he has a heart attack, and then he... Because he falls over okay. before he but, even gets to the fire. Okay, but he wouldn't have died immediately had he... The, the lung Not cancer is like... a heart attack into a flaming ring. Yeah. Yes. So These he would have he would have lived a little bit longer suffering through lung cancer. But if he had just had e-cigs back in the mid-80s when this apparently is happening, uh, at, again, I will point out the height of Viva Knievel uh, fever. Um, I'm not letting it go. Uh, he would not have had that lung cancer, uh, unless, of course, it turns out that e-cigs do cause cancer. But, of course, the good people at Blue will deny that to their, to their dying breaths. So it's all come full circle. We started on this, uh, on this beautiful sponsorship from Blue uh, E-Cigs, thanks to uh, Blade, which also starred Donald Vogue. And now, now we're back. So yes, remember, if you smoke Blue E-Cigs, your son won't have to sell his soul to the devil. That was incredibly satisfying, it's, it's, Nick. It's not uh, Donald Logue who appears in any Blue Isig's ads, Stephen right? It was Dorf. Stephen Dorff. No, no, yeah, no. It's it's very From it's a very Blade. ancillary one. But yeah. see, talking about Stephen Dorff got us to Blue Isig's, and that was the movie with Donald Logue. And now we're having another movie with Donald Logue. And Donald oh, Logue. Speaking is great. of Blade, uh, Blackheart is described at one point, I believe, as uh, he has all of the demon's strengths and none of their weaknesses. It's true. All of the devil's strengths and none of his weaknesses. He is the, the walker between worlds. Yep. <laughs> that is true. This is, this is right. not the first Marvel and, film and I guess used uh, that Wes Bentley is, you, you could construe him as, as Dorf-esque. Stephen Dorf-esque, not like Dorf Dorfian. the Dwarf Golfer-esque. 
<laughs> all right. So, all right, the Donald Logue. Donald Logue. Donald Logue. He's fantastic. I would like to apologize because in the process of my live tweeting, I caused Donald Logue to no longer be in the movie as much as I wanted it to be. Because there is a point, like, 30 minutes into the movie where Donald Logue, like, once he shows up, seems to be a pretty consistent part of Johnny Blaze's life. And I tweeted, like, oh, I'm so glad that Donald Logue is actually in a lot of this movie. I was worried he was going to be, like, a minor character. And at that point, he disappears for an entire hour. And it's all my fault, and I apologize. Until he's murdered? And, until, until he is injured. He is fine. <laughs> Nothing happens. We, we have not firmly established what happens to Mac. He might be okay. Uh, <laughs> shut up. He's fine. He's Donald Logue. Nothing bad can happen to him. It's he, completely ambiguous. The only reaction we get from Johnny Blaze is, Mac. Yeah, he yep. just, like, touches the corpse and goes, Mac. He, do- uh, he touches so the know, unconscious body. He touches Not the unconscious body that's been desiccated with sulfur, which is apparently Johnny Blaze's MO, according to the cops. No, um, uh, pyrotechnics. Yeah, we've got a... Uh, we're an it's advanced an air- society. We can, uh, we can cure sulfur. Exactly. So, Blue E-Sig will donate... Uh, a d- for every Blue E-Sig that you, you find people out there buy, <laughs> the good people of Blue E-Sigs will donate a dollar to sulfur research. <laughs> I'll donate a dollar to Donald Logue. The Donald Logue's on Gotham. He's doing just fine. No, they will donate a dollar to sulfur. <laughs> to, to sulfur research. Sulfur research. No, no, it's just sulfur. That's it. Don't even be that specific. Sulfur. Sulfur. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, he, he needs. He needs to have like a. a he needs to have a first name. Uh, like Buck Sulfur. <laughs> That sounds more like a gay porn star. Buck to Sulfur, me. attorney at law. Jim Sulfur. Just, I think Buck, Buck always sounds like a porn star name. Yeah, like, just like that movie. That Seinfeld episode. Yeah, like that movie, Uncle uh, Buck. Yeah, hot. Or John Candy played Mad, porn star. Yeah, John Candy fucked all those people. Or Bucky O'Hare, the uh, cartoon rabbit who explores space. What was, uh, what was the name of my uh, futuristic... Uh, erotic adventure. Buck, Buck Hardwell. Not, not Buck Forty Friends. The sixty ninth century. <laughs> Buck Hardwell. I'd forgotten about Buck Hardwell. Yes, Buck Hardwell. Coming, coming to theaters, two thousand seventeen. Buck Hardwell. Uh, so at some point, uh, Johnny Blaze lights lights some candles with a fireball that he shoots from his hand after meditating on the the. The internal <laughs> elemental power of fire. Yeah, uh, I wrote so down the line. And it's... then, right after that, Eva Mendes comes in, and uh, he tells her that he sold his soul to the devil, but he doesn't have the wherewithal to try to prove any of this. He's just he's just lit candles on fire with a fireball <laughs> Master, from his what's hand, the hand, and he doesn't just do it again. I have it right here, thankfully. I am speaking to the fire element within me. Yes. There we this go. fire element is a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom. Yes. And I think there is some kind of elemental thing going on with him versus the, uh, the, the fallen angels, angels, whatever uh, the yeah, they are. There's the wind guy and Who the water the... guy and then kind of the mud guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess yeah, the other guy is kind of dusty earth, but yeah. it's not as well established. The first guy is like it's not earth as... and sand, and then he's turned into charcoal. Yes. Mm. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, each of them were supposed to be fallen angels who hid inside the elements uh, for centuries and centuries until they became one with the elements, and then he has to kill them each uh, in a in a different way. 
But the fourth one or the third one was extremely disappointing to me because it is not clear at all what he does. He just like shakes the water guy underwater for a while and then he turns into steam, I guess. Yeah, he boils. It's not clear. Yeah. Yeah. But he shakes that poisonous shit out of the system. Okay. I'm assuming the rest of the water around him doesn't boil. No. I'm assuming if he boiled away the whole lake. Okay. So all of that information I'm assuming is coming from the director's commentary. No, I mean, that's just from having that's watched just, the movie. just from so observation. Guess, you know, a half dozen oh, dollars. Okay. You, so like, it's, specific, it's established that they were hiding in the elements? I, I watched the theatrical version in the theater, but since then I've only seen the extended cut. Wait, there's cut an extended of the cut of the film? I don't know what the differences are. Yeah. That's the special edition I DVD watched whichever one was available on iTunes. Um, oh, okay. I don't, I don't know which one I saw. Anyway. Mine was, mine was like uh, two hours and a couple of uh, minutes long. Mine was like just under two hours, I think. So yeah, okay. we must watch a different version. Anyway, That's the Mark Stephen um, Johnson touch. Uh, he he adds twenty minutes to every film after it's been released. <laughs> yes. Uh, and as I described the uh, the angels in my notes as uh, flea looking motherfucker, uh, John yeah. Leguizamo as the hobo yep. from Mulholland Drive, and very, <laughs> yep. and very wet Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I definitely thought that the first two looked like. Uh, Flea yeah. and John Leguizamo entirely independently of you. Why didn't they cast Flea? Yeah, I was really disappointed when it turned out not to be yeah. Flea. I know, that was my, yeah. my first reaction. I was like, oh, hey, it's Flea. And then like the next yeah. time I was like, oh, that's just a guy who looks a lot like Flea. It's not Flea. Yeah. I'm sorry, I get, everybody. It's not Flea. I, I, I know Back to the Future 2 is not a spectacular movie. It's, it's a fun movie at points, but it's not spectacular. But I get very excited when Flea shows up in old man makeup. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for my money, it's the uh, it's my least favorite of the Back to the Future movies. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because um, yeah. it's just it's such a retread of the first one in a lot oh. of ways. Well, the, the, Whereas, the first you know, one for the flaws oh. of the third one, at least it's you know doing something different. Oh, that's funny. I maybe it's just because I saw number two the most as a child, but two no, the, is my the first and uh, I think the first and the third are threes. about like. You know, Marty's relationship with his parents and then Doc finding love and all that stuff. But they're not about time travel. Time travel is a component of them, but they're not time travel films. The second one's a time travel film. Yes. This is, Everyone, this this is, is, been, this is been the Batcast. Yeah. <laughs> the Donald Donald yeah. Where we have talked extensively about Donald Lowe. Yeah. Does anybody have any other thoughts too. on Donald Lowe? Because I obviously love him, but um, I'm just going to gush. Is there any Is there any TV series starring Donald Lowe that you love? <laughs> uh, Grounded for Life was a very underappreciated Gotham. I've never seen Gotham. Uh, literally, the only reason that I ever will watch Gotham is that Donald Lowe is in it. So, but you've, you know, ex- you've accepted that it. you will in Vikings? Will. Is it Vikings? Vikings, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in. I know he was in at least one episode of, of the X Files. He plays like uh, Scully's ex partner, and I think one of the Jeffrey Toombs episodes, if I remember correctly. I think mm-hmm. he's in the first Jeffrey Toombs episode. Um, and let's see, what else was he on TV? Sons of Anarchy. Sons, Sons of Anarchy, yeah. obviously. Uh, isn't he the king on Vikings? I think I haven't seen Vikings, I, yeah. but I think he's he, in that. He oh, is the and Viking. of course, motherfucking terriers. Thank you. There we go. Terriers, brought to you by Blue That's Jesus. the one we were waiting really, for. Nick. Really interested to see how long you could dance around that. <laughs> I know. I yeah. was like, what else has he been in? I'm sure, I'm sure if I looked at his uh, filmography, I could come up with some more, but that's just what I had off the top of my head. 
Uh, I think the only reason that Stephanie has even asked the question is because he assumed you were going to get to Terriers. I assumed so every time he I suggested was going to get a to Vikings. Show that was not Terriers, I was joking because they were all less obvious than Terriers. <laughs> this has uh, been Daniel Watson-Jones explains the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes are funnier when you explain them, yeah. especially when you have to explain yeah. them to Nick Fester. The because jokes that I was them. in on? Yes. That's, they're funny because you are. Take my wife. Oh, please, take my wife. Now, the joke is he doesn't like his wife. <laughs> but the phrasing is it sounds like he's setting up a joke where he's like, take her, for example, is the unsaid sort of clause that's at the end of that sentence. But he's twisting it on his head because you see, take. Take has a couple of different meanings. Go on. <laughs> well, you see, it sounds like he's using it like, take, for example, like, I'm about to set up a joke about my wife. Take my wife. She's so, you know, such and such and such. But he's actually using it in, like, a possessive sense of, like, take her away from me. You see, so, that's... that. So it's very subtle humor, but it's playing on multiple definitions of the word take. In, <laughs> in the same way... That ghost rider could be a ghost who rides or one who rides a ghost. Exactly. Exactly. And I do think we need to talk, speaking of ghost riders, because there are multiple, or one maybe a phantom rider. uh, I do think we need to talk about Sam Elliott and his complete lack of role in the finale. Because that's something that Derek uh, mentioned earlier. And it's very strange. Because it seems like his, there's like this very dramatic, like, I'm also a ghostwriter. Here's my awesome flaming horse. Where, We're going to yeah, ride well, through and kill that don't, lizard. Don't skip over this. It's, it's, uh, first, it's, I'm also a ghostwriter. Then it's, I am a cowboy with a flaming skull. Then it's, yes. my horse wearing, is also Wearing a flaming. cowboy hat. Yep, wearing a cowboy wearing hat. Wearing a cowboy hat, which looks incredibly stupid. Uh, flaming skulls really? and cowboy hats. awesome. <laughs> Okay. It looked like I, a video <laughs> poker screen at a roadhouse. Well, what the problem was to me was it looked like they had, like, it, it, the hat was too big for the skull, I think was my problem. Like, That's a costume you're, design you're, problem. You mean the hat was appropriately sized for the head around the skull? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, if you were just a flaming skull, your head size would be slightly smaller because you wouldn't have, like, all of the, like, <laughs> skin and stuff so it just seemed like it was kind of floating a little overly big on this flaming Wait, skull but heat rises so it creates Would like a gap been... between that's the a good point okay the... been happier I, I, if I it were floating my... on the heat haze could it have been a bowler hat would you have been happier then i mean a bowler hat is more historically accurate to the kind of hats that were popular in cowboy times this is this is true bowler hats is what are what most people wore so that would have well, been Stetson an interesting started choice. out as bowlers didn't, I mean, Stetson started out as rounded on the top, but they got squeezed in. Uh, this is, it's been yeah, to time. some extent, but like, yes, to, to yeah. some extent that is true. But bowlers, <laughs> yeah. like proper bowlers, not even squeezed in, yes. just like a bowler. I That's okay. historically what. So people Sam Elliott anyway. bursts into flames and mounts a horse. That sounds uh-huh. dirty. Um, <laughs> and they ride off into the sunset. They've got to go the five hundred miles well, to show downtown. Before he turns into uh, Carter Slade Ghost Rider, he, Sam Elliott exits his little like place in his caretaker cottage or whatever and just whistles, and his fully saddled horse emerges out of the mist. Yes. 
I'm I'm gonna go ahead and assume that it's a magical horse, and thus okay. that didn't really bother <laughs> me that much. I'm pretty sure that the immortal flaming horse might have some magic in it. That was my explanation for that. So you're saying that that it never needs to be unsaddled. It's just it exists in like an ether that he can whistle to. Yes, that's my explanation. Okay. That is how I am fan making right. this. At some it. point, I will finally actually get to when he just disappears. Because well, every now? time I try and set it up, Douge comes up with something else to mention. And I was like, all right, they dried off. No, That's wait, before he does that, really good stuff. before he does that, he breaks open his shovel. And inside the shovel oh. is the contract. It's been in the shovel the whole time. Uh, so they ride off. He, he took uh, back one Kadam. Apparently, the only purpose <laughs> that Sam Elliott's Carter Slade, Slade Carter? Whatever the fuck his name Carter is. Slade. Uh, Carter Slade. Jimmy the only Johnson. purpose he serves is <laughs> Johnson Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy James. Kibler. They ride off into the sunset, and apparently the only purpose he serves in this is to show Ghost Rider where Showdown Town is. Because And to give him a magic shotgun. Because, yes, and to give him a magic shotgun, because he then immediately says, this is as far as I go, and disappears for unclear okay. reasons. Like, he's been sticking company. around forever just for, just to go to Showdown Town for the showdown, and then is not in the showdown, in Showdown Town. Doesn't he disappear before the, the magic he swamp, He doesn't disappear though? at all. Yes, the there is a swamp. cuts all... away from him. Like, it, yeah, yeah. I, I could disappear, buy it Disappear it, doesn't... Yeah. Pl- I could buy yeah, it Disappear implies that he, like, dissipates. Yeah, he this, just this rides is, off. This, he yeah, rides it, away. This was my last ride, and he turns to dust and says, the power's with you now. But instead, it's like, well, see ya. Yeah. And, <laughs> then, suddenly, the and then suddenly, Nick Cage is in, is in the swamp, and he has sort of the final showdown with the last angel. Uh, very wet Robert Pattinson. I would like to personally thank anyone who is still listening to this podcast. If you have somehow, first of all, gotten through this episode, or, you know, listened to any of our other episodes and for some reason still think that this is entertaining, God bless you. Please give your money to Sulfur Research. Oh, no, no, no. I found, sorry, I found in my notes the best line in the film. Okay. I can't believe I, I forgot about this one. We were riding the gravy train on biscuit wheels. <laughs> That is a that is a Mac line, is it not? Is yes, it is. Line. Exactly. It is a Donald Logue line. Donald Logue. Uh, except my delivery was terrible. He, uh, he was much more casual about it. Like this is, of course, we were riding the riding the biscuit or riding the gravy train on biscuit wheels. Huh. Let's see. I'm just oh. checking through my huh. notes. Is there anything else I needed to? Um. Hmm. Let's see. There's the point where. Uh... Sam Elliott tells Nick Cage to sterilize a needle, and Nick Cage, like, waves his hand at it, thinking that fire's gonna shoot out of it. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I'll oh. take your word. Uh, West, oh, uh, West Bentley also looks like Robert Pattinson. Can we go back to the the origin story for a minute? Uh, when When the kid is angry, he's found out that he can't run away with his girlfriend Roxy because, oh, I think, I think my, uh, Microphone may have been muted there for a while. It comes mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, we hear you. Uh, all right. Uh, when oh, so he he doesn't know what to do, and then this guy shows up offering to cure his dad's cancer. 
Uh, he just says that he can cure his cancer, but then when he tells him that the cost will be his soul, uh, Johnny is surprised. Like, like any other, str- like this is unusual for a stranger who just shows up, shows up out of nowhere and says that he can magically cure his father's cancer. Johnny hasn't seen these films. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. No, Johnny is <laughs> not familiar entirely to be in any way surprised. But then again, he never agrees to that deal. Yeah, like, he he, no, he slips no. and like accidentally he, cuts his finger. He spills he, he spills hands, his blood. Yes. He is handed the contract to look over, and apparently there's a razor blade hidden in the contract because yeah. he just accidentally cuts himself on it. Yeah, and that, that would not is, stand up in in court. I feel like there's a joke about all the lawyers being in hell, and that's how we can get away with it somewhere in here. Oh. So you know, heyo. Uh, do, do you do you want to try <laughs> to make it? Nope. 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 I don't. <laughs> this has been the Donald Log, where we talk about Donald Log. Yeah, how great was Terriers, folks? It was great. <laughs> it was a really good show. Everybody, get... <laughs> I realize I have I haven't plugged Terriers in a while, so I feel like it's probably a good time to mention everyone should watch Terriers. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. I hope it is. It is. It is. We're gonna get that show back on the air, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> or at the very least on DVD. Um, Oh, uh, after the first time that he turns into the rider and he jumps to light speed and he's, he's forced to go like at incredible speeds and melts the uh, melts the asphalt under the, mm-hmm. the rider's tires. Yep. Uh, then he, he blows by that cop who's, who's got the speed trap and the, the billboard bursts into flames and the cop is physically blown off of his bike just by the speed. So yes, when, that we, is when, the thing that when we were watching this, yeah. Cynthia was very upset because she said... Why didn't the speedometer say six six six? That is an yeah, excellent point. Obvious. I yeah, would guess. I would guess that probably speedometers are not uh, programmed to go that high. Also, there are not ghost riders, but we've suspended disbelief <laughs> for that, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> Although, I mean, we could go back to Dude's point about that horse. It was saddled for a very long time. That's true. That horse- What's up with that? I, I would also like to point out that the other uh, meaning for Ghost Rider is a symbolic one because you are always haunted by the ghost of your past. Oh, yeah, like that Neil Peart book. The drummer for Rush wrote a book called Ghost Rider. Travels on the healing road. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thank you for that. I a know reference... who Neil Peart is. I just didn't know the name I, I of his book. I, I, did, I award, did not know who that was. I win the award for most obscure reference of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we can retire that award because I don't think there's ever going to be a more obscure reference than the memoir of the drummer, <laughs> the drummer from, from Rush. Rush. <laughs> that is not true. Okay, that is absolutely not true. Uh, I would say I would argue that Pod People is a more obscure reference. I don't than, think that's than, true. Than a book really? by the lead by the drummer of one of the most popular rock bands of all time. I, I'm not sure. I'm. A lot of people have seen Pod People because of Mystery See, Science Theater. Okay, Do you have Nick, any idea how popular Nick, now think Rush about those is? scum of the earth middle Americans that go see Johnny Blaze. <laughs> how many of them do you think I, have watched Pod People versus listened to Tom Sawyer? <laughs> Listening to Tom Sawyer is not the same thing as reading the drummer's memoir. That's true, but it's closer to reading the drummer's memoir than watching Pod People is. How if you if the comparison you are making is have read Neil Peart's memoir versus have read Trumpy's memoir, then we'd be somewhere. 
I don't think I don't think that's a reasonable comparison between seeing a movie that was broadcast on you know obviously a cult TV show, but you know watched by millions of people, as opposed to a book by a drummer. I still it's don't think a lot of people. Drummer. It's <laughs> Neil Peart, who is arguably one of the most famous. He's probably in the top like twenty most famous drummers in of all time. Okay. All right, fine. He's a famous drummer. Good for him. He can keep say a beat. I, I will say uh, that I I had never heard of Neil Peart. Yeah, oh. no, I don't know who the fuck that guy okay. is. Well, we are a very limited uh, selection of people. It's true. You should see uh, I Love You, Man. Yeah, no person that. Okay. Is he? He's not actually in it, but Rush and is, is discussed in the film heavily. Uh, or Trevor. It's a good movie also. Anyway. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, after Nicolas Cage escapes from jail, after being turned into the rider, he rides the motorcycle uh, up... A, up a, a support for a bridge and then off of that into the river and then rides a flaming motorcycle along the river, which you could argue is kind of like <laughs> Jesus, but with a flaming motorcycle. I mean, let's be fair. That motorcycle's name is Grace. It's true. It's true. There's yes, definitely... Exactly. I'm going to go out of limb and say that there is some religious sim- symbolism happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to overstate it, but I, I think it okay. happens so in I, some I wanna, places. It's I subtle. Pitch this. It's very subtle. So Nick Cage represents Jesus and the devil represents Souls. the devil. Wait, do you mean Nicolas Cage, his character, or Nicolas Cage, <laughs> well, the human being? The Bible's not meant to be taken literally, Dooge. I will point out that, thanks to Dooge, I do have this, which might lend some credence to the idea that he might be Jesus himself. <laughs> he wasn't Consult left behind. the book of Cage! He is, Nick is holding up uh, the DVD case for Nicolas Cage's Left Behind. You, yes. you described that like it's Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, would be evident. How would Bram Stoker's Dracula be evident that Nick Cage is Jesus? Uh, okay, so Gary Oldman. Oh, okay, no, let, let's uh, let's map this. There's, Wait, there's gotta Francis be some... Ford Coppola. That's how you oh, get yeah, there. There you go. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's fucking one degree of, of Nick Cage right there. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Gary Oldman. Oh, Gary yeah. Oldman plays Commissioner Gordon, who is played by, what's his name, from the OC, who plays it with Donald Logue, who is Mac, who's here. Uh, it's actually a lot faster because the same bird plays Gary Oldman's hair in Bram Stoker's Drac- Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, that also plays Nicolas Cage's hair uh, whenever he meets Francis Ford hair. Coppola's band. Your yeah. argument is invalid. My hair is a bird. Huh. <laughs> On that note, uh, we've been talking about... Well, we've been talking for an hour and 45 minutes. We've been talking about this film. <laughs> we've been talking some about nothing. amount of time. I'm pretty sure that is our format. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's go to final thoughts here. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, uh, Bester, since you've, you've had a lot to say already. Uh... I am holding up to the camera the uh, Nick Cage's hair here, so everybody can uh, appreciate. His this amazing, is not. This is not a video hair. podcast. This is not a visual medium. <laughs> this is left behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's left behind hair. 
Um, uh, let's see, final thoughts. Uh, Donald Logue is amazing. And uh, if Barton uh, Blaze had smoked uh, blue, uh, everything would have been fine. Yeah. Derek oh, Hall. Oh, and... Uh, <laughs> you know, Derek Hall, when, final thoughts. When I go to... When I go to the movies with my friends, uh, most of whom when you, when are you appreciate extreme, cinema, most of whom are fairly cinema literate, seeing as how uh, we do it professionally, um, we, we we have a metric, uh, and it's the five dollar movie. There are some movies that are worth exactly five dollars, no more, no less. I'll give you an example. Uh, the remake of RoboCop, the recent remake. Okay. That was a $5 film. We went into the theater, we paid $5 to see it, and we came out and we said that that movie was worth exactly $5. Where are you paying Ghost, $5 to see a movie? Ghost Rider... Is, I assume it's a second-run theater? It's a, it's a special. They do specials on Tuesday nights. Yeah. Um, anyway, Ghost Rider is... Not a $5 movie. I would say Ghost Rider is worth $4.66. It's almost You are very literally nickel and diming it. <laughs> it it's, it's so generic that the only thing that really like keeps you watching are all the little surface details. And, you know, some of those are like Nicolas Cage's Performance. Some of it is Sam Elliott. Uh, some of it, and this is only value that exists now, um, it probably was uh, less a concern when the movie came out, was like Rebel Wilson. It was nice seeing her in an early role. But it doesn't quite get up to the status of being like completely satisfying for what it is. Uh, it doesn't live up to its own terms. And I think for me, it's mostly because of Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage comes with a certain set of expectations that for, the, for whatever reason, and I think it's because he, he actually you know, has a love for this character and took it in a certain direction, that that kind of stifles other aspects of Nicolas Cage's performance brand in such a way that you never really get the like, really dedicated performance of Johnny Blaze, but at the same time, you also never really get the really dedicated Nicolas Cage performance art that you've come to expect from his film. Now, that's my take on it. It's, it's sort, not it's, nouveau it's, shamanic enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the way you put that. What? It's not nouveau shamanic. It's not nouveau shamanic enough. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I don't know. I felt like the nouveau shamanism was really... Uh, established in the transformation and in the, uh, the way that he uh, played out all of, his, all of uh, Johnny Blaze's kind of little ticks with the jelly beans and the, oh, drinking, uh, drinking straight from the coffee pot. Uh, I want you to remember that for when we watch Spirit of Vengeance and the way that he drinks water in that scene where he drinks like four or five little cups of water in a row and then just like throws the cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, remember that when we watch the second one. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Will Donald Logue be in the second one? Is he back? I don't believe that they pull a Whistler uh, and bring him back. Uh, that is that is a travesty. Yeah. 
Dooch, any uh, any more thoughts on this or? Oh. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I I guess I'd just be repeating myself, but I feel like the things that I like about this movie, I like a whole lot, and there aren't enough of them to really make me feel like this is uh, transcends being a bad film to being like a good bad film. It's an enjoyable bad film, but it's not the kind where afterward, you know, I, I don't want to watch it. A dozen, a dozen times, uh, the way I would with The Room or, you know, uh, I don't know, an MST3K or something like that. Batman and Robin. Um, um, yeah, ag- again, Batman and Robin falls in the same category as Viva Knievel, Nick Bester, and I have not seen it. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. How are we friends and we didn't watch these movies together? How, <laughs> How are we happen? friends and we have not submitted I was frequently busy. made you watch this. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I still kind of feel about it the same way that I did the first time I saw it, in that it's enjoyable, but there's there's not there's nothing that, that feels really classic mm-hmm. about it. I, I feel like all of the, the sub-boss fights are really subpar, even with the fire tornado, which I think is awesome, but none of those b- villains are established well enough to, to feel like he's doing anything. Yeah. Uh, and the, the boiling away, the, the water character really just felt anticlimactic to me. I, I wanted to see him, like, go into a lake and then, you know, use his, his firepower to boil away, like, the entire lake to where you've just got, like, cracked desert ground under it. Uh, and the, the Earth guy, the first one he kills, he's not established at all. Like, even his elemental force isn't really expressed uh, before he destroys him. And, frankly, I thought Wes Bentley, his performance was was entertaining, but the character was very boring. Like, there's nothing about Blackheart that, that made me care about the, the outcome to this. Um, I know uh, nothing I, about I just, that character, as I, I just, said in my, in my tweets. I know him solely from the Capcom fighting games. I didn't even know that he was a, uh, uh, that he was an actual established Marvel character. I just want to say, this is the uh, first time anyone has ever said... He's a big spiky black dude. When I came to this film, I really wanted him to walk in and go into that lake and boil away an entire lake, and I didn't get that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who, what kind of people you're hanging out with because yeah. that's the feedback I hear on every movie. Like we like keep yeah. Austin weird. Yeah, like you know, we watch something like you know, we watched Raging Bull for one of my classes last semester, and everybody had that feedback. They really wanted to watch Robert De Niro boil he away a boil lake. lake. <laughs> you call him an actor? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I am not a crackpot. Please boil more lakes. For, for me, I, Mad I think, yells at cloud. I think I'm I'm kind of. Hmm. This film was it was enjoyable enough that I'm glad I watched it, but I'm not going to rush to watch it again. However, knowing where they have started and knowing the pedigree and the cast of the sequel, I am very very excited to watch Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. The thing that yes, I, so I am learned, definitely my foresight. Though. The thing that I learned from this film, because you know, a good film should have some kind of lesson in it, uh, is as we found out when Ghost Rider was leaving the police station, hopped on his bike, and started blowing up lights, and blew out one light in particular that turned one word into another word. You cannot spell garage without rage. But you can spell car hole without rage. <laughs> that is a reference to a conversation we were having before no, no. we started recording. No, no. Everyone knows what a car hole is. All right. <laughs> yes. 
And speaking of which, this is as good a time as any to plug our upcoming app, Carhole Band. Tell, tell us about Carhole Band. <laughs> well, garage is such sort of, sort of a fruity, uh, nabby-pabby French word. Uh, it's a little too fancy. So we're going to strip out all the, you know, the fancy bells and whistles that aren't really important to Garage Band, and we're going to give you Carhole Band. That's great. It's, uh, it's the Ram- End of pitch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the Ramones <laughs> of audio recorder apps. Yes. I, there we go. All right, well, I, I will get in touch with CJ and Elvis Ramone, the remaining Ramones, uh, and, you know, find out uh, if they're up for that. Maybe we can get some uh, cross-promotion. We are rapidly approaching the length of this film for the length of this podcast. We're at uh, a minute or an hour 53 right now, uh-huh. so we may want to wrap you know it up. We pretty routinely go over. I mean, this. I believe, yeah, if I remember correctly, Elvis Ramon was the drummer from uh, Heart- The Heartbreakers, I think? I don't know. Okay. See, that's, I know obscure things about that's drummers. Like, that's the most obscure. I, I don't know what you're talking about, and also I couldn't hear you. That's so. the most. It, it's it's not talking about the Ramones. It's obscure, of course. It's specifically talking about Elvis Ramones' potentially tenuous connection to the Heartbreakers. No, no, it's much more tenuous with the Ramones. Like he performed like a couple of performances with the Ramones during a period like where they, like an inter an interregnum of drummers and. He is like the drummer for the. Okay, so who 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 were all the Ramones? So it was Dee Dee Ramone, Dee Dee, Johnny, Joey, uh, Marky, CJ, Elvis, and there's one more. Um, most of these are drummers. Like they went through drummers a whole lot. Like Dee Dee, Dee, Dee Joey, and uh, Johnny were sort tap? of the core members. Um, I think. And they, they were all brothers, right? Maybe is CJ the one. No, none, none of them were it's like Harpo. None Harpo of them were related Ramon, to anyone. Chico Ramon. <laughs> yes. Although the Marx Brothers were actually yeah, related. Were. Gummo Ramon. Gummo Ramon. They were related yeah. to the Ramones? Gummo Ramon. Gummo Ramon. There's your obscure reference of the day. <laughs> there you go. Gummo Ramon. You should get shirts made that just say Gummo Ramon. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> so look forward to our app, Carhole Band, and our T-shirts, Gummo Ramon. Brought to you by uh, Blue E6. Yes. Uh, and and Jelly Bellies. This has been the Donalog. The Donalog. Please start a podcast called the Donalog. I will. That was my plan. Either that or convince Donalog to start his own podcast called the Donalog. <laughs> You know, he could, uh, he could, he, it would be like an interview kind of thing. Like, he brings in, you know, actors he's worked with, and they talk about things, oh, and, yeah. you know, life, the universe, everything. It would be nice. Yeah, uh, I'd listen to that podcast. Either that, or it's me just talking about what, Donald Logue's What if podcast. it were, uh... I still need to see the Dallas Steve. I've never seen the Dallas Steve. Donald Logue's podcast. Donald <laughs> Now you can listen to Donald Logue's podcast with commentary by Nick Bester. <laughs> yeah, the director's commentary. <laughs> I will court. I will court it in the market on this. Nick, I don't. I don't know what your uh, your research is right now at uh, at UT, but uh, if it's if it's not yeah. on Donald Logue, maybe a shift is required, a pivot, as they say in the startup. Maybe. Of the well, I am. 
I do need to write a uh, proposal for my Star Studies class, but I was planning on doing that about the time Fabio got hit in the face with a bird. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's going to be my final paper. I, I, I love that in your Star Studies class, your two potential yeah. examples are Fabio and Donald Logue. Well, Nick Cage was also a uh, potential uh, topic for that. Donald Logue, star of Star But no, it was written. Yeah. But no, it's going to be about Fabio and the time he got hit in the face with the bird. Fabio. 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 Um, I, I have in my notes uh, Sam Elliott saying we're big yep. on irony around here. Uh, after Nicolas Cage drinks all the water uh, and before the Eva Mendez interview with Captain Dolan. Do you remember what Nick Sam Elliott was referring to? Sam Elliott said, how do you feel? Nick Cage said, oh, it's great. I feel like my head's on fire, but oh. I'm good. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. They're big on irony. I think uh, I think we're drawing to the end here of uh, of this particular. I think we're writing to the end here. You know what that song is called, right? Ghost Riders in the Sky. Oh, Ghost Riders in the Sky. It's so clever. Yeah. And the cover is by Spiderbait, who apparently is an Australian band, but I know because they did a cover of. Black Betty by Ram Jam that has been in, I think I've seen it in two different films, and I looked it up on IMDb, and it's been used in at least five different films, their cover of Black Betty. I, I doubt it's as amazing as Tom Jones's cover of Black Betty, because that's an amazing cover of Black Betty. Everyone, oh, everyone needs to look up Tom Jones's cover of Black Betty. Huh. <laughs> All right, uh, next time on, uh, on the Donald Logue. The Donalog. I keep fucking that up. The, the Donalog. Next time on the Donalog, uh, Tom Jones sings Black Betty. With special guest. Sam with, spe- with special guest, Tom Jones. No, and Neil Burt. And Neil Burt. I mean, would you, would you not listen to a podcast where Donald Logue interviewed Tom Jones and Neil Burt? I, I, I would. Uh, I can would we work Tom to Waits in there somehow? Yes. Uh, Maybe Tom Waits is the sound guy and never speaks. <laughs> how do how do we sound, Tom? <laughs> when you walk through the garden, cross ninth and Hennepin. Small change got rained on with his small own change got rained on with his own thirty-eight, forty-nine dollars, and an alligator poise. Step right up. Okay. Step right up. Something's happening. If you go... Everybody's a winner. We got pockets. They have an archive of all... Oh, we were so... We were so close to wrapping this up. We were... We were like with... On PBS, there's an archive of Austin City Limits, and they recently released a live Tom Waits performance from like 1978. And it's insane. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. All right. Waits, Waits, Tom Waits for no man. I prefer I prefer uh, Derek's. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Oh, that's good. You're so clever. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap this up. What are we watching? Never needs widening. Gets rid of blackheads, heartbreak, of psoriasis. Christ, you don't know the meaning of heartbreak, buddy. All right. Uh, oh God. Uh, coming up next, uh, th- this next episode will be the topic of some dispute. We have been waiting for this death match yes. between Nick Bester and Daniel Watson Jones yes. for 
Uh, I believe it's 20. 20 Two men 20. enter. One man then leaves. Man leaves. Then later, another man leaves. Bone saw is ready. Uh, it's, it's time to, uh, to, to answer the question. What kind of film is Spider-Man 3? Nick Bester says... Great. Daniel Watson Jones says... Derek Not Long great. says... <laughs> tune in next week to see... Oh, no, we're not doing this in a week. Fuck. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Tune in next Cinema Excelsior time. Same Cinema same indeterminate time, same indeterminate channel. Uh, okay, is there... Am I supposed to sing a song? Are you? I don't know. <laughs> yes. No, no, are, are we recording? recording now? Oh, right! Okay. Yes, no, you had a song. Oh, yeah. You wrote a song. I, Sing the song. I, I, I did. Oh, I, I yes. wrote a song. Yeah, you did text us that song. Before I had, I will be right back. Before, I'll wait for you to sing it, because I, I don't want you to miss it. So, I have, though, right? I, have some cons- I have some concerns about my recording, because I was pressing mute on my Yeti microphone every time okay. I ate, but there were times when I accidentally left the mute running while I was talking, but you guys never oh, seemed to not me. hear me, so it's possible yeah, yeah, that my microphone it. was actually going through my my headphone mic, and either we're going to have sections of me with long silence, or you're going to always be able to hear me Either eating. way, you know, worst case scenario, I'll pull Patrick and cut you out of the podcast. Alright. Oh, God. Who's going to pull that out of the what? What? Out of the what? what? Okay, so uh, I gotta, let me... Wait, what, what, we can stop recording, no, right? No, I, I have to say, Wait, I, s- I was waiting. Did he yeah, sing the song? Ghost Rider! He's the man! The <laughs> man with the flaming head! But he's not do, do, dead! Do, do, do. That Ghost Rider! He's, he's got a bike! A bike! He rides so well, right into hell. In crooks, it's fear he inspires. With his head, a skull made of fire. And if you've got a daughter, you'd better hide her so she doesn't get burned by Mr. Ghost Rider. Rides around. His heart all full of rage Because he's Nicolas Cage He's just Nicolas Cage Only Cage He's just Nicolas Cage He's just Nick Cage (laughs) Boom, boom a voice yeah. like an angel. Suck it, Shirley Bassey. <laughs>